welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. church, how he connects us and how he draws us all together. It's not an easy walk we've chosen, is it, to be Christians? And I think uh, probably in the next oh handful of years, we're all going to find out that we probably weren't as good of a Christians as we thought we were. We're probably going to find out that we were overeducated for our experience that we lived that we knew a whole lot more than what we practiced. At least I know I will. I'm not so sure about Gene. If anybody did it right, it'd be Gene. But you know, the, the truth is, unless, unless life requires out of you, all of us are fundamentally conservatives. We never spend any more energy, any more effort, any more spirit than we absolutely have to to accomplish something, unless life requires it. And then sometimes when life does require it, after we get past feeling like it's all a bit unfair, we, uh, we find that we can in fact, maybe two steps behind and one step to the left, eventually rise to the challenge of becoming and being what we're supposed to be as the assembled man of Christ as the assembled body of Christ. Right. And that's really, that's, really a, that's really a well choreographed, tough, complicated dance. You don't get there without stepping on each other's toes. You don't get there without wanting new dance partners. You don't get there without wanting a new dance floor. You don't, you don't get there, you don't get to that place in Christ Jesus where you can really truly love the brethren like more than you love yourself without some scars, some scratches, and some opportunities to have cashed in your chips and called it a day. So it's work. But then you know what? You got, you got the power of the universe living on the inside of you. You've got a divine schema. You've got the book, the schematic right here that if you can just link that heart with those pages, those words that jump alive in your heart and walk them out, walk them through, facing yourself in the mirror of the Word of God when you do it, man, there is no telling who you could become. That's right. That's right. What you could accomplish individually, what you could accomplish collectively. It's amazing. It's amazing even to me who prides himself on never being amazed. <laughs> it's amazing, like stops you in your tracks. Stops you in your tracks and you say, I could have never done this on my own. But it's so subtle, so finely tuned that you realize that like we sang tonight, God really was working when you didn't know that he was. God really was working when you felt like he wasn't. Yes, yes. When you had all of your battles and your conflicts and you thought you were only on the 45 percentile range and you weren't going to make it over the hump and make 50 percent and win the day. 
uh, you, you, you think, I didn't really make it, but God was teaching you, growing you, strengthening you, changing you, enlarging you, even in those days, so that there's a cumulative effect of your spiritual life. There's a cumulative effect. Even the things that you lose, you still win in God. Because it looks like you've lost, but you've grown, you've changed, you've been enlarged, you've been moved along. My heart's so filled with joy because when I look at you, I know that you're capable of so much more than you think you are. When I, when I look at you, I know that there is a Wikipedia of spiritual truth that lives up here in your head. Some of it is in your heart and that it, all you have to do is know how to ask the right questions and draw it down, rise up and live it out by the grace and by the fullness of God. I'm thrilled because I know that no matter what happens out there, you do know the Lord is your shield. So no matter how hard the blow is when it comes, you can feel it rattling your teeth. It stands. It shakes. It vibrates. It vibrates unbelievably, but it does not let you down. He does not let you down and fail you. I'm going to talk to you about an ingredient that is required to live that kind of life. It's one that I don't think hardly any of us were taught. I think it's one that probably in the world I grew up in at least, which didn't have Christ, but it was a good, honest, decent home when I was a boy growing up. I think nobody knew different in those days in my world. Nobody saw differently. So. I think they expected you would learn some truths just by getting bigger. And sometimes you do through experience and times, and sometimes you don't. And it's the, it's the idea of honor. So I've got two portions of Scripture I want to look at, because the Bible links love and honor a lot. The Bible links how we're supposed to love one another, but then it says things like in Romans 12, prefer one another in honor. So that's, that's telling you how to actually love. So I can walk through life saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. But when push comes to shove, I have to come along and say, what that looks like is me letting you have your way instead of me getting my way. And I don't like that because I'm always right. <laughs> I don't want to let you have your way. Uh, I don't, I, I've got my own pride issues, I got my own weaknesses, I got my own stuff, I got my own mindset. I might actually know more than you do about something, but I have to come along and let you, I have to prefer you. That's why the scripture says things like you don't practice things publicly that cause other people to stumble because the strong have to watch out for, it calls it the weak conscience. That's, that's an honor thing. That's not that's not a control issue. That's not somebody being dominant, making you be something you don't want to be. That's like saying, I, I want to make everybody around me flourish spiritually. I want them to at least go as far as I did, maybe go farther than I did. And that means that I have to be able to believe in them and the God that works on the inside of them to take them to that place. And sometimes that might mean that I don't get my way even when I'm right. We're not going to do this tonight, but you go back and find all sorts of places where the Apostle Paul, any apostle you want to pick in the New Testament, uh, any writer, the Lord Jesus himself, let people think what they wanted to think and do what they wanted to do, even when he knew there was a better way, because they have to make their own choices. 
So, I think the world I grew up in thought people, if they obeyed and they submitted, they would learn how to honor, but all it really did was make us angry. We're going to talk about the world that we live in, and it is an angry, bitter world. I've had times in life when I was bitter. I've had times in life when I was angry. Some of those times I really got spanked. And by really getting spanked, I had to turn on my heels and go do gracious acts of promotion and help to the people who had angered me and hurt me. Now, you're obviously so much farther down the road than I am. I know you'll never have to do any such thing. Just think of me as maybe the scapegoat tonight or something, I don't know. Put all your sins on me. Spank me again. I like it like that. There's there's a growing up that comes when you make a choice to honor the dishonorable. When you make a choice to honor someone or something that you don't think is being what it's supposed to be. And that's not not taught by simple submission and obedience. So we, we live in a world of unbelief. We have a church full, thank goodness it's not this one. We have churches full of unbelief. We have churches filled with carefully bottled and sealed anger. And we have churches filled with people that have bitter issues, that distort and destroy parts of their own life, whom they think, whom I've thought, Maybe some of you did, that as long as you kept it under wraps, it was all cool. Our Western culture tells us if we behave well, God counts it as if if we were well. And that's not true. Behaving well is a good indicator of what you can around your heart. And please, don't go out of here and say, David said I didn't have to behave well. Behave well, but don't let the root of the bad behavior Be counted in your estimation as a small thing. Face the small thing. Face the big thing. Deal with the anger. Deal with the hurt. Deal with the disappointment because anger and honor don't mix. Maybe that's why we're all so angry in our world today is so that we won't actually live a life of honor which is demonstrated by the love of God that's in our heart And if we don't live that life of honor, we remain isolated individuals and little pockets of people and our little families. We remain decent law-abiding citizens most of the time, but we are never connected in that deep, intimate way that we're supposed to be joined and where we're supposed to be fine-tuned and adjusted by God through our very human interaction and our intimacy with each other. Praise the Lord. Church is over. Let's go home. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6. You all know this verse. And I'm going to, not in a bad way, but I'm going to lawyer it up in a bit. You can be the jury. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, it didn't just say, Children, obey your parents. It said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. That's, that's not just a casual prepositional phrase. In the, Lord's, in, in the Lord's the whole deal. Wives, submit to your husbands as your husbands submit to you, as your husbands submit to Christ. As your husbands submit to each, each other. As your husbands submit to the Lord. As you all submit to the Lord. Yeah, it's just a continuing thought. It's not, it's not an isolated clause you can cut out of there and use on somebody. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Now, this is a great phrase. This is the first commandment with a promise. So, there's something about fulfilled promises that attach to honor. It's the first commandment with a promise. I'm going to say it again. There's something about, there's something about honor that attaches to, to a fulfilled promise where the blessings of God come to you. So, it's, just, it's not an accident. He didn't point this out thinking, hmm, that's just an odd thing. There's something he's trying to tell us. He says, and this is the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So, here comes anger out of the clear blue. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. All those taken as one whole thought would kind of give you the idea that because we just read the first clause, what the instruction of the Lord was. Now, it's bigger than that. It's got a broad application, but the very narrow, fine point here is that the instruction and the discipline of the Lord is children obey your parents because it's the first commandment with a promise. So, when he's saying, it's got to include this thought, when he's saying, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up with the nurture and instruction of the Lord. He's saying, fathers, don't make your kids mad because it will ruin their capacity to honor. Dads, bring them up in this specific command so that they honor their mother and father so that they can follow through with honoring their mother and father. We raised our kids, I'm sure most of you did in a way, that to the best of our ability, we, we were keenly interested in obedience, but we were profoundly interested in honor. We were more interested in the heart of the matter That's right. than we were in the details. So we didn't really just want them just to be good, but it's okay, we can tell them that now because they're all grown. <laughs> be, being good was the fruit of the honor. The most important thing was not that they were restrained and contained. We could physically have done that. The most important thing was that they learned how to restrain and contain themselves because they cared what somebody else thought. I'll put it to you, the greatest lesson you can ever teach your kids or that you could have ever been taught or you're going to get a real butt kick in trying to learn through life as you grow is that honor is the, is the fuel it gives you the strength to burn through your life and accomplish the purpose of God. Honor is the fuel that gives you the capacity to connect and to join up with people and to live a life where you're satisfied and where you're happy. And then if you spend your life and you're angry, you're disappointed, you're hurt all the time, you can't keep your emotions in check, you can't keep your soul in check, 
You're also going to find that when you don't honor your mother and father, it doesn't stop there. You're not going to honor your mother and father, but you're not going to honor the police. You're not going to honor the pastor. You're not going to honor the judge. You're not going to honor the prime minister. You're not going to honor the premier, your spouse, your boss. It does, it's, not a one, it's not a one category thing. It touches every part of your life. For the record, a great big parenthetical thought, honor and respect differ. Whether I like the premier or not, he's put there all authority, not necessarily the individuals. The authority's put there by God and he is filling a God-ordained spot and God requires me to honor him even if I don't agree with him. That doesn't mean I have to vote for him. It means it means he's not mine to make obey. I can vote, I don't have to vote. He's not mine to control. He's not, I don't have to take responsibility for him because what I have to do, whether I respect his service or not, is I have to honor the fact that God put that position there. Okay, it's time for church to be over for real right now. Maybe you love him. But it doesn't matter if you love him or if you don't love him. The mayor, the, the pastor, the principal, the, the professor, it doesn't matter who it is. There's a, prescribed, there's a prescribed way for every divine relationship that you're supposed to have laid out in the scripture, and you just have to do it. If you, if you don't do it, it doesn't hurt that individual. The premier doesn't even know I'm alive. It doesn't hurt him, it hurts me because I carry that spirit of dishonor and I pointed at Gene. I pointed at Adrian and Blake. I pointed at Jake. The other day, maybe we'll talk about it, but I pointed at me because it says in one place in Thessalonians, they, each man is talking about his physical body, talking about his marriage. Let each man know how to possess his own body in sanctification and in honor. If you can't honor yourself, there's not a chance you're going to honor me. If you can't look at you and think that there's a reason that you're on this planet, it's a good reason, it's a God-ordained reason, you sure don't want me to have one. It's human nature. Somewhere along the line, it's going to break your heart. It's going to hurt you. So we start with understanding that when you grow up in a healthy home, you grow up in a healthy church, you grow up in a place where maybe you do get angry. Our kids got angry with us. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you who, but his, ina- his initials are Jacob. No, I don't, I don't know Jacob ever did get mad. I made little Sam matter and fired several different times. Uh, I didn't mind him getting mad. Because it was an opportunity to come along and say, now that you're mad, let's, let's get down to what the real root of the case is here. And I'll tell you why you have to receive instruction and discipline and why you have to, why you have to honor me even beyond before you obey me. If you didn't learn this when you were at home, you'll always have trouble with authority. We get saved, we get spirit-filled, we come to church, and we think that now that we're saved and we're, we're born again, we're, we're working on being filled more, most of the time with the Spirit, that life's just going to be peachy, everything's going to be great, 
and that everybody's actually, that we're all going to have the mind of Christ, and we're all going to think exactly alike, and you're going to do what I want you to do. Except it, life doesn't work out like that. So you have to make a choice about whether you deal with the issues and choose to honor, or whether you just try and niceify yourself so you look good, so you stay clean, so you seem like you're more right than what you're heart really is. It's destructive because it ultimately leeches on till it destroys your relationship with the Lord. It absolutely roots itself in unbelief. So, Mark chapter 6. Thank you. Good thing about only preaching 30 minutes is that if the guy doesn't knock you out in the first round, you're okay. <laughs> you can live to fight another day. <coughs> Chapter 6, Mark, verse 1. Jesus is on stage. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him like good disciples do. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, they were astonished, which means they were pricked in their hearts, they were, they were touched by what he said. We sang a line in one of the songs earlier, I think that my granddaughter so elegantly led. We sang us a line that said, touching every heart. But, what if the story doesn't end with every heart getting touched? What if every heart has to get changed? Because we go to church, we read our Bible. I read my Bible, I like my Bible. I read my Bible, I pray, I try and read my Bible and pray a lot. I do everything I can to read my Bible and pray above my interaction, before my interaction, after my interaction with other people. I, I, I try to my <laughs> frail and limited knowledge to put God first. So there is not a day in my life, I don't think, where my heart does not get touched. But there's lots of days I don't get changed. My heart gets touched, I get astonished. I get astonished at what he said. I get astonished at what could be. I get astonished just for a second when I see a truth. But getting astonished and preferring that truth from stepping into that truth, from receiving that truth, are not always the same thing. The thing about honor is that it's used and translated so many different ways in both Testaments. But as often as not, it's not some abstract idea out here. It's, it's translated often as the word price or value. And it's preference. It's what you look at and what you choose and what you say, I value what this says above what I think. And I tend to value what this says above what I think until I don't feel safe and then what I think begins to drive me and control me. 
I value what this says and above what I think until I get my feelings hurt by Gene. And then because there's no barriers between me and Gene, when Gene hurts my feelings, I don't feel safe and I hurt Gene's feelings back. The last time was in like 1984. <laughs> no, wait a minute, that was 1984 times. You have the same conversations with your spouse over and over all of your life for the same fundamental reasons. Not just the details out there, but for the hurt, for the pain, for the things that you carry around in your heart. But the Bible says that I'm supposed to honor my wife. That means I'm supposed to put a price of God's valuation on her. God's valuation to her because she's my wife means I have to value her more than I value Adrian, because Adrian's somebody else's wife. Adrian's my sister, that has value. Adrian is, Adrian is a woman of God, that has value. But that value, that fruit comes in a different flavor and vein than this value and this fruit does. So when you add up all the components, you have to be able to discriminate and discern and understand that not every relationship you've got is exactly the same. You have to be able to discriminate and understand what the really valuable relationships are. Because if you don't, you'll end up letting your friends talk you into doing things that your friends don't have the value to talk you into doing. Does that make sense? Not? Uh, a friend that comes in between you and your spouse is spending more credit than they should have in your heart and life. A job that comes in between you and your spouse long term is taking more from you than what you're supposed to apply the value to that job. Now you can negotiate, you can do anything for a short time, but I'm talking about beginning to erode the aspects of family, long-term investments. So they're astonished. And their answer to being astonished, because they know they have to make a choice about what they're going to prefer right here, is they say, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? So they're astonished and they're looking, they're thinking, they're thinking, does he have the right to do this? What, where, and how is this happening? What, where, I need, I need something I can judge by to decide whether I think this guy is valuable. So they're not judging, they're astonished by what he said, but their judgment creeping in is by what they see or by what they understand. Is not this the carpenter, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph? and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him, because reasoning will often lead you there. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk, few sick people, and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages teaching, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. Now as the story goes on, great things begin to happen. And their, their honor that they encounter 
the belief that they encounter begins to exalt Jesus again. The world that we live in today is a world where people probably don't stumble over Jesus. They'll let you believe in any unseen thing you want to believe in. The world, the world that we live in where people stumble over religion is because they stumble over us. They stumble over us. They stumble over the way we interact. They stumble over the way we connect. They don't stumble over our knowledge or our lack of knowledge. They, they stumble over, we discredit. We discredit the Lord Jesus by the way we interact as the larger body in Christ. We discredit Him. And because we discredit Him, we're just not viable witnesses. We're not believable witnesses for the truth that we say that we hold because the truth that we say that we hold didn't change anything. Now, starting towards the back of that long paragraph there, Jesus told them to go do these things and not take anything with them. I think, personally, it's because Jesus understood that honor and value are inseparably linked and that fundamentally you don't really honor what you don't pay for. That's why when it says, husbands honor your wife, it's not just saying be nice to her. It means that you've got to treat her like she's a gift from God to you. You've got to spend some money on her. Anything that you honor, I guarantee you, anything that you honor, you spend money on. You spend time on, you spend words on. Anything that's important to you, anything that you've valued, gets your focus, gets your attention, gets your effort. And if it doesn't get your affection, your attention, your, your resources, your devotion, your preference, then your honor for it is legitimately questioned. He's saying to them, he's saying to them, here, here, here. He's saying to them, when you come to church, you need to bring an offering. Because when you honor God, it says honor God with the first fruits of your substance. Honor the Lord with your tithe. It's not the money. It's not the money. It's the value you place on it that says, I am admitting to myself, I'm training myself. Probably the single greatest thing I ever learned in my life was how to tithe. That's probably the, 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 the angle that my life changed the most because it was the first time that I consistently, week after week and month after month, had to begin to think of something outside myself and my own preference. It didn't, have, it didn't get to make sense. It didn't have to make sense. What I had to do was obey the Word. I'm not after your money. I don't want, I'm not trying to get your money. I'm not trying to get you to tithe here. I'm telling you this. If you don't learn how to honor God with all of the things entitled in that phrase, to honor God, you'll never have His promises. Honor the Lord, for it's the first commandment with the promise. Honor your father and mother. Honor the Lord. Because it's the first commandment with a promise. When you honor the Lord, there's a promise that gets fulfilled in it. If you make it reasons like, God knows I can't afford it. God knows I don't want to spend the time. God knows I don't have the money. God knows a lot of things. But the things that change your life is when you say, okay, he said to do this, so I'm going to do it. I've been a Christian for 45 years or more. I forget now. I've been, I've been in the ministry of some stripe or flavor for over 40. Never in my life, this is an honest testimony, you can grill me later, have I ever seen a Christian walk in the promises of God 
that did not honor God. I have seen some limp from crisis to crisis and get healed up by a touch from God. But I've never seen anybody be free. I've never seen a Christian walk in the promises of God who did not know how to honor the body. Now maybe you have. Maybe you have, but I haven't seen that. So I can't testify to it. All I know is that whatever it says, it's made alive by the Spirit that lives on the inside of me. If I do it, I eventually walk towards His version of success. If I don't, I eventually convince myself it's not relevant. Then I convince myself more is not relevant. And I eventually disassociate myself with the work of His Spirit. And I become dull-headed, dull-hearted, and don't learn anything. If it helps at all, I didn't plan to say any of this. <laughs> Not a word of it. Except the verses. So, they say to Jesus in their astonished state, where, what, when, most preachers come along and encapsulate, I think it's the sixth verse, where it says that he marveled at their unbelief. And they think unbelief was the point. But unbelief was the fruit. Unbelief was the fruit of dishonor. Because instantly, the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, he didn't say, boys, this is unbelief. He said, a prophet is not without honor. He dealt with the honor issue. And because they did not honor him, because they did not honor him, the natural state was unbelief. The body of Christ in North America is strong in knowledge, strong in its integrity of a certain kind. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But it is not strong in its believing. Another song, another line we sang tonight was something to do with faith rising. Is that song, but there was a line in it, there was a phrase, I believe it, tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought it said, let faith rise. Oh, I'm sure I saw the word faith. Well, pretend like it is for now. <laughs> faith can rise. Yeah, there's songs that say it, so it counts, right? <laughs> If it's not my experience, I know somebody. <laughs> I sang Let Faith Rise. I sang that. I know I did. It doesn't rise and stay risen. Praise doesn't rise and stay risen. Spiritual tide doesn't rise and stay high if there is an atmosphere of limited or even dishonor. It rises and stays up, not because we just get so grandiose in our thinking that we believe we can see miracles. It rises and stays up because we understand what the proper relationship between ourselves and God is, therefore defining the proper relationship we have with each other, and we walk in that honorable relationship, being not just obedient, 
but submissive to his word. Honor, I think honor will become an important truth for you to see, for you to practice, for you to live by for the next decades of your young life. And that if you do it, you can count on it having benefit and reward. If you won't do it, your walk with God, even through the pure, true love of God, as found in Christ Jesus, will be hard. It will be unpredictable, not on His side, but because of the limitations that you impose upon yourself. Stand up with me if you would. Anything you want to say? I was just going to pray. But go ahead. I have some thoughts I'd like to add. It's right there. It's okay? It's okay? Yeah, great. Um, I, I, just, I just wanted to add the thought that David started with about being able to honor others because we honor ourselves. We have an understanding of the value that we have in the heart and mind of God. And I, I find that when I'm not feeling good about myself, it's always easier to discount other people. Like somehow that's going to make me feel better about me. And it never does. And so honor is something that I have to possess. I have to learn how to value God in every aspect, in every relationship that I have in my life. And so if I'm honoring God, it means I have a preference about God's thoughts. I have a preference, I have a value about what God thinks and what God says. And because I honor him, that's going to impact my life so that I can have that honor for others expressed. Uh, I want to read, you're familiar with Psalm 139 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I think about all the times in my life that I've been really unhappy with Jeannie. And uh, I don't believe this. I, I choose to disbelieve that Jeannie has been fearfully and wonderfully made. I choose to disbelieve that I can really do the things that God has called me to do or tells me to do. And in those moments, I am actually dishonoring God because I'm valuing my opinion. Yeah. I'm honoring my thoughts. I'm honoring my belief system above what God has said. So that's dishonoring God. That's dishonoring to God. There's another scripture that I wanted to look at here in Numbers. You'll, you'll know the story. You know the story where Moses in the Old Testament strikes the rock. He's got the rod. He's supposed to stretch the rod out. He's supposed to talk to the rock and tell the rock to, to issue the water. And so he gets mad at the people because of what they've been doing and how they've been saying. And he accuses them of being rebels. And they were rebelling, but it came out of his mouth. He accused them of being rebels and uh, he raises his arm this is in numbers 20 it'd be it'd be interesting you should take the time to look at this because in verse 12 i think this is the niv 
he gets in trouble with the Lord. This is the thing that kept Moses out of the promised land, right? And so David was referring to the first commandment with promise is honor. This is the thing that Moses didn't get because of his dishonoring the Lord. Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I've given them. Because you did not trust me. You did not, Jeannie. You did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy. How do I do that? By simply acknowledging what God has said, valuing his word that he has spoken, believing what he has said to walk in the ways that he has set before me. So can we pray this tonight? I'm going to lead you in just a general prayer of, oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> can we do that? Honey, do you want to, did you have something else that you wanted to do here? I, I don't think so. Don't end it with, oh, God, no, no, forgive no. me. Forgive me. No. Let them know the honor that God has for them. Too. That's right. Okay. So, Father, we come before you. Say this after me. Father, Father I thank you for your goodness and your mercies to me. I thank you, Father, for sending a man to show me these things. I hear your words, and my heart's cry is to live from a place of honor. I want to honor you, and I want to honor others. I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God, and I'm thankful for the grace that comes that enables me to honor. I'm asking you tonight to forgive me and cleanse me from the places that I have sown dishonor, places where I have rejected your truth and exalted mine, where I've valued my opinion, where I've honored my thoughts, above yours and I have brought accusation guilt and condemnation to others I thank you Father for your precious forgiveness for me and I thank you for helping me see the value of honor in Jesus name Amen Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.